0: I told you last week that I have uh, a problem related to books, namely that I buy them faster than, than I can read them, um, but recognize that uh, this sort of deep psychological problem leads to a more practical problem, which I've been realizing lately too, and that is simply lack of bookshelf space. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed I'm starting to have b- piles of books on the floor and everything, I realize it's, it's time for new bookshelves. And I'm a little bit tired of my old college days painted Ikea shelves, um, Ivar, for those of you who are Ikea shoppers, and, and kind of felt, you know, if I'm going to get new bookshelves, time to get something that, you know, a grown-up would have in his, in his study. So I went online and started looking around for some nice, beautiful wood bookshelves and found that they are a bit cost prohibitive, especially compared to Ivar, um, so I, I I looked more and more. I thought surely I can find a great deal, of course. But everything that's cheap is cheap. Until three magical letters uh, popped into my head: DIY. Some of you're familiar with DIY, do it yourself, right? There's a whole TV network called the DIY Network. They have a website uh, committed to. So sure enough, I went online, typed in bookshelves. There are all these plans. And some of you know this experience of those three letters that the heart begins to beat faster and and the mind is just moving all over with dreams and visions of, of what could be. And I bookmarked several plans and I look forward to that day. But of course, along with that come some other things. I, <clears throat> I witnessed a lunchtime conversation not too long ago that I'd like to share. And for the sake of the guilty and the innocent, names will be left out of this conversation. But it was some couples, some young couples talking over lunch. And, and one couple was asking more experienced couples about advice on, on homes and, uh, and, and looking for homes and, and home projects. And at one point, uh, spouse, uh, one of the spouses from couple B, said, "I have some advice for you." And she quickly reached over and covered the ears of the husband from spouse B and said, "Don't let him get a fixer upper." <laughs> In other words, don't let him and and husband from couple A quickly covered the ears. Tried to quickly cover the ears of wife from couple A because he was afraid that that advice was going to ruin all his dreams and visions of the years of do-it-yourself projects that he was hoping for in his home. <laughs> because because every good do-it-yourselfer also needs a, a friend or a significant other who you know, with the sort of roll of the eyes, says to the do-it-yourselfer, uh, honey, next time, please, just get a professional to do it, right? <laughs> Remember last time. Do-it-yourself can be a great way to to save a few bucks, can be a fun thing for, for home maintenance, and it's a big thing right now. It's all over the place. The whole website, you know, websites all over, YouTube full of that kind of stuff. It's a decent thing for home projects, but if do-it-yourself gets expanded to sort of a, a philosophy of life, right, or, or a standard mode of operation, it begins to get a little more problematic, right? I, I can do it myself. It's a rather natural inclination for, for a lot of us, if not, if not all of us. It feels good to be self-sufficient, doesn't it? Uh, as we're growing up, this is kind of our, our whole goal. I can do it myself. It's very exciting, Uh, When we're self-sufficient, we don't have to depend on others. Dependence is not something that comes naturally, not something we're seeking after, not something we're excited about. Independence is that goal that we're so striving for from from childhood, Uh, especially for some of us. Being dependent on another person is hard, isn't it? I mean, it means... It means having to rely on somebody else to come through for you. It, it means having to trust somebody else to accomplish what, what they're saying they're going to do. For, for some of us, that, that's hard. Trusting they're not going to let us down. It's easier to just do it myself, we say. But probably what we really mean is it's safer, it's less scary, it's less risky to just do it ourselves because other people might might fail us. Some of us really like to be kind of in control of a situation, right? Anyone relate to that? Of course, the best way to be in control of a situation is not to have other people delegated with the task involved. So I can do it myself. I'm in control. No thanks, I've got it. It's hard for us to live with an open hand, isn't it? I mean, did you feel that during prayer? It's, it's tough to live like this. Most of us live clinging tightly to, to our lives, we want to be in control. Here's a test for you to see if this applies to you. When you are shopping at Vaughn's grocery store, which is my preferred store of choice, uh, and, and you get to the checkout line, and, and the clerk finishes ringing up your groceries and then asks you, would you like help out to your car? even though you know they're supposed to ask that to everyone, are you a little bit offended? (laughs) Do I look like I need help out to my car? (laughs) From that bagger? I'm fine, thank you, I've got it. (laughs) You know who you are. It's kind of insistence on being independent and insistence on, on living life without needing the, the help of others, doing it on our own, clinging control. The thing with those tendencies is they can begin very quickly to quietly creep into our, our souls, into our spirituality, our, our faith life. And from there, it begins to creep right into our religious life, right into our church. And when a church is composed of a bunch of hyper-independent control freaks, (laughs) a bunch of hyper-independent individuals, disaster is basically what comes. Because in short, that church is hardly a church at all. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is concerned about when he composes his letters To the church at at Corinth. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we just heard read in full from Mimon Gerardo. Something has gone wrong in this young church that Paul himself has helped start and and planted. He's come and he's preached to them this beautiful gospel of grace and freedom in Jesus Christ. He's taught them the joy of living this, this new life that is, is free of, of barriers between races and class and gender. He's shown them how to form a, a caring community of, of, of mutual love, an interdependent community. But something has gone wrong. Wrong. And he he talks about it throughout this letter. For example, the most recent example before chapter 12 is in chapter 11, verse 17. Paul writes, In the following I do not commend you, which probably sounded stronger in his language, I have nothing good to say to you about this topic. Namely, the way you celebrate the Lord's Supper when you gather together weekly. I hear that when you get together, there are divisions among you. And he says, I almost believe it. (laughs) Because for Paul, it's unbelievable that when they gather together to celebrate Lord's Supper, there would be divisions. But he said, this is what I hear. And he says, when you're eating the Lord's Supper, this is what you're doing. Some of you are eating so much and drinking so much that you're drunk while another is going hungry at the very Lord's Supper. It's supposed to guarantee the opposite of that. A far cry from what we read about last week in Acts chapter 2 where the, church, the, the, early, the first church was gathered and nobody had any needs because everyone was sharing and giving with one another. <laughs> one person goes hungry while another person is drunk. What are you doing? Paul writes. This is far, far from what I told you about. What the Lord's Supper means. So now he gets to chapter 12. And again, he begins with some carefully chosen words. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual matters. Now, many of your Bibles may say, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts is what Paul is talking about this chapter, but a literal translation of that word he uses literally, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things, things of the Spirit. Today we might even say spirituality is a is a common word today. I don't want you to be ignorant about spirituality, life in the spirit. This is key to what Paul is talking about. He doesn't want them to be ignorant about spirituality, life in the spirit. Well, what are they ignorant about? Maybe, maybe their ignorance comes from the fact that they just don't, they don't know enough about spirituality. Well, if someone is ignorant, doesn't know enough, then our first react, mine certainly, get them books. Right? <laughs> you can never have enough books or pamphlets. Perhaps uh, we can we can get them some some books or, or pamphlets about about angels and and demons or about speaking in tongues or about prophesying and dreaming and visions. Let's get them books on different kinds of prayer that they could be engaging in, Uh, books that teach them how to read their Bibles more effectively and at what time of the day to do it. Uh, We could find them some pamphlets on the quest for inner peace. Uh, Maybe teach them through some books about Christian meditation and all that can do for them. They need to know more about spirituality. If they are ignorant, let's make them unignorant. Right? Uh, this is this is what we want to do. Get them some knowledge. Drop some knowledge on them or something. Uh, that's what we do. That's what I do. Uh, book. Here's some books. But. That can't be what Paul means because if we've been reading these letters, we pick up hints all over the place that these people know all kinds of things about spiritual experiences. It's all over the letter. They, uh, they, have, they have knowledge of spiritual things. Uh, they're, they're speaking in tongues, whatever that means. I know a couple of you will come and tell me exactly what that means afterwards. Uh, prophesying, giving inspired testimonies in the midst of worship. I mean, these people are experiencing all kinds of things. They're praying passionately and profoundly and experiencing spiritual wonders of all kinds. So they know about this stuff, about spiritual matters. So I think it's clear for Paul, the problem is not their knowledge of the spiritual world. Their ignorance lies somewhere else. And here's what it seems to be for Paul. They are ignorant of what it is the Holy Spirit desires to accomplish through all these spiritual things. What's the Holy Spirit up to? And whatever it is, it's apparently not what the Corinthians think it is and what they're up to. See, what the Corinthians were engaging in is, is sort of a spirituality of self-indulgence just like how they celebrated the Lord's Supper and and, and some people were eating their fill and drinking to the point of being drunk while others were hungry, they're doing the same thing with spirituality. Now, some of them are going around and, and sort of saying, wow, doesn't it feel good to be spiritual? And they might go around and ask some other people, how's your spiritual life? Have you, have you displayed any works of the Spirit lately? And they'd probably figured out how to measure people's spirituality. The, these, these manifestations of the Spirit are up here. These are, well, baby Christians, you'll, you'll get there. These people must be closer to God while these may not be. And in fact, those people over there who kind of just keep showing up most weeks, not all of them, we haven't really seen them do anything spiritually impressive for a while. Maybe the church would be just as fine without them. And then there were some of the Corinthians maybe were thinking something like, I do all the work around here, but I guess it's because I have so many of these spiritual gifts, talents. And then, of course, inevitably, and here's where Paul's upset, it leaves a bunch of the Corinthian Christians and members feeling quite badly about themselves and insecure in their spiritual journey and wondering if they have any part to play in this new thing called church, which this thing called church at one time had seemed so exciting and liberating and empowering, but now mostly it just kind of made them feel bad about themselves or bitter towards some of the others or angry or hurt. And Paul hears about this, and he sees the disaster unfolding, and he recognizes that the very soul of the church is in danger, is being threatened. And so he writes, don't be ignorant. (laughs) Let me fill you in on how the Holy Spirit operates. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of Gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities or works, but it's the same God who energizes all of them in everyone. To each one, is given a demonstration of the Spirit for the common good. There are varieties. I love that he says varieties. Not just one variety, not just a variety. There are varieties. There are exponential numbers of gifts that the Spirit gives, but the same Spirit. We're quite familiar with the term gifts, right? so much so that we throw it around a lot. And as you heard this chapter, it was very likely one that you knew well and a topic that you've heard a few times. What a gift she has, right? I know it's not my gift. Well, what is your gifting? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should take a spiritual gifts inventory, right? I mean, the gifts is something we're very familiar with. All great and helpful, these things, as long as we don't rust right past the very root of these gifts, what what Paul is talking about. Now, the word Paul uses for gift, there are varieties of gifts in the church. It actually has the same root that's found in another very well-known passage. Can we put the, the text on the screen for a moment? So as we read this well-known passage, try and figure out which word that Paul uses here, gift, is related to what word in this passage, okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul says there are a variety of gifts, which word for gift is related to which word in here? Does that make any sense to you? (laughs) We're talking about the Greek word. Gift would be the obvious answer, right? But you also were smart enough to know that this must be a trick question or I wouldn't be asking such an obvious one. Check this out. It is not gift that matches gift. Uh, it sounds weird, but in Greek. So, it is not this of your own doing. It is the gift of God. We would think that word is the same one Paul uses in First Corinthians. Actually, the word Paul uses for gifts, as in there are a variety of gifts in the church, is the same word that he uses as the third word of this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And he says in First Corinthians... There are a variety of graces in the church, but the same Spirit. So it's not quite the gift that you give with nothing, you know, like a present at Christmas. He's actually saying, for by grace you have been saved, so no one can boast. This isn't of your own works. And then in Corinthians he says, in the church, the Spirit gives a variety of little graces to you. Which means no one can can boast about those either. Little grace gifts. There are, a, there are varieties of grace gifts in the church, but the same Spirit that gives them. This Holy Spirit who graciously brought you to the point where you are in your life, in your spiritual journey, whatever, that you, you are where you are, not because of your own effort and and spiritual superiority. You are where you are because it's been a grace that the Spirit has given to you. Which means that that other person across the pew or aisle from you, they are where they are also as a grace given from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's been working in you is working in them. And sometimes when we say, well, they're not where they ought to be, we're actually saying, I'm not sure the Spirit knows what he's doing in that person. But it's the same Spirit gracing their life in the way the Spirit wants to, freely, as has been working grace in your life. The Spirit does things in different people in different ways, but it's the same Spirit, and it's all grace gifts for every one of us. That variety that shows up, it's not something to just sort of put up with and tolerate, right? Which is kind of what we do. Well, you know, people are different, and I guess we can... It's actually the design of the Holy Spirit to provide that variety, right? God loves this variety and diversity, And that's hard for us sometimes, right? There there are those in this church, right, who would say, you know, this church could really go somewhere and do something if those conservative people were just, you know, maybe sort of isolated on the side or something. That's those conservatives. But the Holy Spirit has graced that person with a sort of natural tendency to be conservative because we need those people who who hang on to tradition, who give us like Psalm 1, they plant us firmly in the soil so that we're not blown around like chaff in a wind. Of course, then there are those who say, those flaming liberals <laughs> are undermining the very truth and truth and goodness of the church and if we could just cleanse the church of them. But the same Spirit has gifted them with that tendency because the Spirit knows that sometimes we cling not to truth but to status quo and if we ever want to find truth we need those who will ask tough questions, even be critical at times. To be open to new things that God and the Spirit are doing and teaching us. We need both. There are visionary, big thinking kind of people in a church, and then there are the practical folks who just want to get something done. We need them both, right? Some have inspiring testimonies of God's providence and God's provision in their lives that make us amazed at what God does. And then others of us have testimonies about how God has helped them make it through difficult and dark and hard, unspeakable times. We need to hear those kind of testimonies too that may not be as happy but may be hard and difficult. We need them both. There are those who are good with Their hands, those who are good with their words, those who are good with a listening ear, those who are good with food, those who are good with organizing, those who are good with people, those who are good with prayer, those who are good with kids, those who are good with the sick, those who are good with faith, those who are good with mercy, those who are good with music, and on and on, and no one can boast about any of it because all of it is a grace gift from the Holy Spirit and it's all done for the purpose of the common good God celebrates variety and diversity because God made it <laughs> the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit it, it, who hovered over the deep at creation looks now at the church in all of its rainbow variety and uniqueness and says it's very good that way. So, those of you who have felt maybe put down or just felt excluded or minimized or whatever because of maybe your gifts, maybe your journey, maybe your story, don't believe it because the Spirit is at work in you the same way He's at work in all of us. And those of you who may have a tendency towards the boasting side of things, remember, it's only by the grace of God, through the Spirit, that you, we have anything at all. I'll tell you, church, uh, by way of hinting, (laughs) that very soon in the near future, there will be twice as many opportunities (laughs) for you to minister in this church especially on Sabbath morning. If you want to know more, look for your newsletter, talk to a board member, or wait for Pastor Milton's announcement next week. (laughs) But there's going to be twice as many opportunities and needs for ministry, especially on Sabbath morning, but all through the week. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this, as we think about doubling the amount of things that happen on Sabbath morning, some of us who do the organizing kinds of things, get the tight chest and the uh, fast heart, but not for the excitement of do-it-yourself, but for the, oh my goodness, how is this going to work? But the only way it's going to be possible is if we recognize that the same spirit is working intentionally in this beautiful rainbow of variety and ways amongst all of us and every piece of that puzzle matters. And I'm not even sure it's so much about talents and abilities, though that is certainly part of it. Even more than that, even more deeply, it's about you bringing who you are, your unique story to this body. We need your story. We need your perspective. We need your experiences, your journey, whatever it looks like, even if it doesn't fit the box of somebody sitting next to you. We need that story because we're confident that it's the same Spirit at work in you and you and you and me, whatever that story looks like. The same Spirit gives each of us as a gift a part to play in this body. And, and, and here's a fairly safe clue of how to figure out what your part to play is. There are a lot of ways of doing it, but here's a clue. If there is something that you have a deep, heartfelt passion for, you know, that kind of thing that if you start talking about it, you realize you just dominated a conversation for two hours, or you stayed up way past your bedtime, it's likely that that passion is there because the Spirit placed it in your soul, in your being, for a good purpose, for a good reason. And it's likely that there is a beautiful way that you can contribute to the common good with that very passion. And we want to hear about those things. We want to help you find places where you can live out that passion for this common good and the good of the world around us. Or maybe it could be something totally new and surprising that the Spirit is doing in and and through you. Whatever it is, it will be uniquely suited to you and who you are and your story and who God has made you to be and it will be irreplaceable and we need you. We won't be complete without you. Do it yourself it might work as a philosophy for home improvement projects or it might not <laughs> but as uh, as 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 for life in the spirit as for abundant life as for spirit-filled living in existence do it yourself just doesn't work we need each other we need each other's unique stories experiences perspectives and our unique grace gifts. That kind of mutual care for one another, that kind of interdependence, has a shorter word that Paul uses in the 13th chapter of his letter, right? It's called love for one another. So may the Spirit, who gives us an infinite variety of grace gifts, bind us together so that we may learn to truly love.